are starting the show this week with two birthday wishes. Number one is for Zoe Richard, who turned four yesterday. Thank you very much. Happy birthday, Zoe. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah. And the second one is for us. Uh, Today marks one year since the release of the pilot episode of Lamenting the Happy Leafs. anniversary, fellas. That's right. Hey, we made it. I missed two anniversaries this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we were we were excited for Joe Thornton's impending Maple Leafs tenure. Uh, the Ilya Mikheyev contract broke while we were recording, if you recall. Our very first episode had That's breaking right. news, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we, were, we were pumped up for the Women's World Hockey Championship, which was sure to be happening in Halifax in the spring. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we also did we did our predictions for the Canadian division that never made it to air, that I <laughs> predicted that the Habs weren't going to make the playoffs, and then they went to the cup finals. So and knocked us that was out a strong life. showing for me. <laughs> um, let's, let's get year two underway with uh, our favorite topic of discussion, Austin Matthews. Yeah. Uh, he returned yeah. to the lineup Monday against the Rangers, uh, an overtime loss for the Leafs. But boy, howdy, uh, Keith, he was looking hot. He was all over the ice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- th- watching the first few games without him, you, you know, for me, I was like, man, Nylander's so dangerous every time he's on the ice. He's, and then, and then seeing Matthews and you're like, holy, like there's another level of just ridiculous talent. And he, yeah, he's just constantly around the net, constantly looking like he was going to score. I mean, he, it felt like he could have had four or five goals with like the entire game into overtime. I think the most encouraging thing is like, you know, he's, a, he's got a wrist injury, but it didn't seem like anything was off of his shot. Um, so that the, you know that looked to be strong, and it just all around just didn't seem to really seem like a guy who's coming off of an injury. There was no rust. Um, you know, he was in there making plays, aggressive. Uh, it was a, just exciting. To, like, I don't know if you if you guys felt the same way, but just watching those first three games without him, it, it was just like it wasn't as exciting. Well, yeah, yeah, it was harder to get. Yeah, into. I agree, hundred percent. Like, this is the guy that makes the team go. And I yeah. think, you know, your, your point, Keith, that he came in looking, you know, ready to go and didn't really have any rust. The kind of the talking point about him missing the first few games of the season was that he just wasn't quite comfortable yet. And I think, you know, on Monday night against the Rangers, he certainly looked quite comfortable. So I think that it was the right decision to give him those extra few days, just get him right back into the the proper headspace and just, you know, feeling like Austin Matthews. And he certainly looked like Austin Matthews in that first game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you, you said it, Keith, looked like he could have had four or five. Like he, he well, was he had just 16 buzzing, shot attempts. Right? Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. right from the opening draw, like he, he was just he was buzzing. It, it was yeah, it was quite a quite a showing. And um, he, he loves the season debut. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. How about that tweet from Justin Bourne earlier today about as far as cumulative individual offensive zone possession, Connor McDavid is second in the league through three games and Austin Matthews is first in the league after playing just a single game. So that, that's just how dominant he was in that first game. Like the, the puck was on yeah. his stick all night long. He was, you know, causing fits for the Rangers throughout the game. 
this is his team and it's never really been more obvious than it is now i don't think yeah yeah they're just they're just a good team without him in the lineup right like they're they're good kind of all around but with him it's it's another level and uh, yeah great to have him back and hopefully uh you know he's there the rest of the year we we put out a call for some questions and uh cody one of our longtime listeners there right from the beginning uh as we're here on our one year anniversary or birthday i don't know i guess we should settle on which it is but cody um was asking us how many goals for matthews this year and you know we we kind of addressed this a little bit on our season preview which we you can still catch you know a lot of that is is still pretty relevant and uh uh, we we talked about some leafs over unders and one of them was matthews and we we set it high so I, i think you know we we all have uh, had a rough number in mind, but I don't think we actually put a number on it. We we had the fifty nine and a half over under. I think you guys both go under, and I went over. Yeah, yeah, but barely. Like I, I was. I old, think me know, and Keith were so, like at fifty eight. So numbers. Yeah, I'd be like 58? over fifty five, under fifty nine. I heard like a fifty eight for me. I don't know. I, I'm just saying. I'm saying sixty two. I'm saying sixty two. I, I I mean I. The thing like watching him play is I'm it you know I'm not going to waver off of where I was at before like he looked better like than I thought he was going to look so yeah I mean I for me he's somewhere in that fifty six to fifty eight range I, I I'd put him yeah I, I think give me a number Keith fifty seven <laughs> there we go okay Nick, well I'm, I don't want to get yelled at so I'm just going to come out with it I'm going to say fifty eight do the the Price is Right thing with Keith here. um i i get results for our listeners thank you to cody for the question that's right we'll get we'll get to a couple more a little later um (laughs) so so obviously the leafs lost that game and i I don't like how prevalent like the whole getting goalied argument has become yeah Uh, you know it's it's, (laughs) so it's it's the nhl like you're gonna run into good goalies who are gonna have good nights but you know legitimately like i I feel like we should establish parameters on what getting goalied is because i would argue that both of those those losses the leafs got goalied like they they um forsberg stopped 46 of 48 chester can stop 40 of 41 and they both had several showstoppers and i would argue that that constitutes getting goalie well, and you know the Leafs look great those nights the, i think it was mike kelly who tweeted out that Shesterkin stopped more slot shots than any goalie since the beginning I can't remember if it was the beginning of last season or, or the beginning of the season before that. Either way, a lot of fucking games have happened. One of the best goaltending goal performances like in the last, of the few, last few years. Yeah. yeah, so if that's not getting goalied, and I can totally understand why Leafs fans don't want to hear this anymore. Like, I get it. I understand it. It does seem to disproportionately happen to the Leafs more. But uh, also... Leafs fans disproportionately watch Leafs games more. So yeah, yeah, you're good. Like, you know what I mean? It does happen to other good teams. Like it, it happens. The Leafs, were they second in the league in in goals scored at five on five last year? I believe they were They're Like we, and we said it all last year. We said it a dozen times. The Leafs got goalie tonight and then they scored the second most goals in the league at even strength. So relax. It's going to happen. It sucks when it happens. It sucks in the moment, but it's not like, I don't know. It's not this big plague that I think everybody thinks it is. As much as it's hard to say that after the game. And another thing Leafs fans are probably tired of hearing is trust the process. But it's relevant here. Like The team is playing very good hockey. They're creating 
a ton of offensive chances. I don't think that anyone in their right mind could look at the talent on this roster and the way that they've played through the first few games and truly believe or make a convincing argument that the goals aren't going to come. Would you rather be sitting here, this is the Leafs are 2-1-1, one, and one. would you rather be sitting here with them 3-1-0 and oh, and played the way that New York has played in two of those wins? Like, Absolutely I, I not. Would, <laughs> I wouldn't, right? Like, I, like, how many times did we see that in, with past Leafs teams where they would just get buried all night it's and then empty score calories. a couple goals off the rush? It doesn't last. Yeah. This is like you're not going to sustain wins playing how New York played and how Ottawa played in the second and third period of that game. Like it's just, I don't know. It's not a recipe for for continued success. It's just another cruel kind of twist of fate for Leafs fans, given you know all the excuses and storylines that came along with the first round exit to Montreal. It was a lot of the same thing. Well, you know they yeah. they played well and it just didn't happen. And then it happens right away. And, yeah. and for the season to start off this way, and I think we can kind of get into to Mitch a little bit in the same vein. Just the fact that that is sort of. That same narrative is following them into the beginning of this season after the way that last year ended. I can definitely understand why fans don't really have a lot of patience for that, but it doesn't make it any less true. The team is playing really well, and if they continue to you know follow this process and generate offense and suppress opposing offense the way that they have through these first four games, they're going to win a heck of a lot of hockey games this season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other impressions from those first few games? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Leafs goalies in a bit, but um, I, I think that w- one of the things that I'm always looking for early in the season and that I've kind of been happy with so far is how do like the older guys look? How do the veterans look? Anyone slowing down? And one of the conversations that, you know, one of the points I've, I've brought up is Jason Spezza. Um, you know, at some point he, he's going to drop off. I, I, I obviously still don't think it's reasonable to expect the, the, pure production that he did in terms of like a per 60 basis last last season but he looks really good again so you know i don't think that drop off is coming this season at least and and wayne simmons you know he he's looking pretty good as well which that was a bit more of a question mark going in um you know whereas spezza is kind of an age thing simmons like it's a is just out of gas kind of thing and and both of them have been pretty impressive to to my eye yeah i've simmons in particular i think I've got a bit of a soft spot for him too. Just I, I, I love having that kind of player and that kind of presence on the roster. So I've sort of been maybe a little bit biased in hoping that he's you know going to prove worthy of maintaining his spot in the lineup. And I, I don't know, maybe I am biased, but through the first four games, maybe not the the first game. I think the the fourth line as a whole was was kind of ugly in the the first mm-hmm. game. But ever yeah. since then, uh, Spezza and Simmons in particular, I think they've both been playing fantastic hockey. Simmons is doing exactly what you want a player in his role, making his money to do. He's getting in on the forecheck. He's disrupting plays in the offensive end. He's getting to the net. Uh, I, I think he's like fourth or fifth on the team in individual expected goals at all strengths uh, through the early part of the season. So you, you really can't ask for much more from Simmons. Um, we saw it last year. He he got off to a fairly strong start and, and was sort of heating up right before that injury derailed his season, and he never really got it back after that. So uh, hopefully he's able to sustain this hot start 
unlike last year and, you know, avoid the, the injury bug as well. Yeah. He certainly doesn't, you know, like he's not going to wow you. I don't think carrying the puck through the neutral zone anymore. And not that he really ever did that as part of his game, but I think what's impressed me is just his hands in tight. Like he's making quick plays and quick decisions and just threading nice passes through and, and kind of stick handling in in short spaces, which like getting that out of your fourth line is awesome. Like there, how many times did they, you know, get the puck in, get a face off, create a scoring chance, get a face off and get the big guys out right away. Like the, the, if you can get your fourth line doing that and then, you know, obviously bang in a few every now and again, like that's just, just found like this money in the bank. Right. And I think, I mean, Amadio, I don't know, not really doing anything for me. You, we've, we've talked about this a little bit offline, Nick, but like, do you think that that's something that you could see Semyonov in that spot in the near future? The way that Semyonov played in the preseason and you know, I, I watched the first couple Marley's games of the season, especially like that. The, the second game, a lot went wrong and we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that later on, but the Marley's first game of the season, Semyonov, it was like so clear that he probably shouldn't be in that league. And it's not even that he's overwhelming with skill and things like that. He's just, he's always in the right place. He's never a step behind. He stays above the puck. He, he can distribute it efficiently. I just, I think that he brings a lot of tools that you, you want in a fourth line center. He, he's never going to hurt you out there. And he has the ability to play a strong defensive game while also generating a bit of offense himself. Uh, I said it early on, I think, one of the preseason podcasts. I think this is a guy that Sheldon Keefe is going to fall in love with really quickly. And I think he's he's probably going to get his chance at some point this year. Just kind of remains to be seen when that is going to be. I think Amadio is still ahead of him on the depth chart. You know, there's got to be some kind of leash there. Amadio ha- yeah. hasn't played very much. You know, we're the theme here for us is to try and not to make any sweeping declarations or overreact to anything just a, a few games into the season. So as much as I haven't been a fan of Amadio's game, I, I'm not ready to kind of write him off just yet. Uh, but I, I think Semyonov's a guy that's going to be nipping at his heels pretty soon. Yeah. Um, just to to close the loop on, on Simmons, you know, you, you mentioned like he's he's doing a lot of the little things. And obviously, like the, there's the intimidation factor there, like which I don't think a lot you of can't generally that. speaking, but holy shit. You see that guy? He He's is the t- no teeth look. Yeah, I as someone who was scared of the sh- of his own shadow on the ice, like I don't think there's many guys like that in the league. <laughs> but I would just like be averting my eyes every time I skated by you that on the bench. Holy fuck! He's, he's you horrifying. don't even want him to look, notice that you're playing. I no. can't remember who it was, but somebody, a defenseman on the Rangers, like after the whistle grabbed him or like there was something happening and like with with uh had his with, arm around with him a different a player second. and he just kind of all simmons did was just look at him and he, and he just like took his arm off and skated away. <laughs> he said like one or two words and i was dying to know what he fucking said but yeah no he's terrifying presence at all times and the teeth thing makes it way worse <laughs> yeah, and, yeah and you just listen to the the guys on the team talk about him they love him. Uh, they, they absolutely love him the they have zero doubt about how important a role he plays for 
the team. So I, I think that kind of speaks volumes. Um, wanted to touch on a couple of the new additions as well. Uh, kind of that third line or two thirds of it. Uh, Kempf and Kasha have looked very good. Kasha had, you know, a blocked shot there that uh, looked like might have been an injury. It looks like he's going to be good to go. Um, but I mean, I, I, I he, he's looked particularly good. Kempf was obviously playing a, a pretty specific role. Like he is getting buried in, in, in terms of uh, just playing every shift in the defensive zone right now. Um, but uh, Kasha, well, at least starting them there. Yeah. yeah, they both are. I mean, they're both like 10% offensive zone face-off starts like they're they're getting buried and and still coming out on top and expected goals yeah david camp percentage pretty pretty well david camp through four games is at 52.7 percent expected goals for and andre cash is a little bit below him at at 47.7 but to even be near breaking even with the way that those two are getting buried with defensive zone starts it's it's pretty remarkable i'm gonna have to maybe issue a bit of a a formal apology to uh mr kyle dubas for the david camp signing again it's really early but that's that's a move that i don't think any of us were really sold on or super excited about when it happened but just kind of seeing it put into practice early on here and the way that he's going to be used, it looks like he's going to be really effective in that role. I think we still have to see him against maybe a, some teams with a bit more firepower or high-powered talent up top. But but the Rangers have you know some pretty talented guys near the yeah. top of their forward group, and the Leafs stymied them almost the entire game on Monday night, and camp was obviously a big part of that as he will be every night it seems they're quick too like they're quick line nick i need to ask you to stay on your apology soapbox here because um the the yeah the third member of that line we we i saw that we have someone follow us on twitter whose screen name was Pierre Engvall appreciator and I was like I don't know how long this person's going to be able to stick with our podcast well, and with well, Nick's maybe takes, they, just, but- they saw my tweets from game one of the season where you know Pierre Engvall was fantastic I, I gave him my third star I think it was in the in the first game you know he was he was really good and then he went back to being Pierre Engvall ever since and just doing a lot of really questionable things not really making anything positive happen just basically wandering around aimlessly out there <laughs> well that's, that's so, so no the, apology was, is forthcoming is what you're, the, <laughs> what you're saying. I, I i haven't got uh i was ready to well no i shouldn't say that i gave engval his due for playing a very good first game of the season wasn't enough to convince me that that's something we're going to see all the time well that that brings me to kind of what i was going to say there is just that the camp and kasha line I'm excited to see them with Mikheyev. I think yeah. that that's going to be a really good fit. I think that they get around pretty quick. They're not like burners or anything, but they're they're quick. And and there's, you're throwing somebody with elite speed on that line, and they're already kind of a tenacious, annoying to play against, hard on the puck, like in your face kind of line. And then you throw a guy like Mikheyev. Like I think that's going to be a really interesting fit, and I, I imagine something that Keith's excited to try too. And I know it seemed at the end of the of the the preseason like. Mikheyev was going to get that shot alongside Tavares and Nylander, but I don't think Bunting's moving off that line anytime soon unless he goes up. So I, I think Mikheyev's going to start there for sure. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, you know, just stylistically, 
with what you want out of that third line, I, I think that McKay yeah, seems is, like a perfect fit. It's, it's, he is a perfect fit. Him and Pierre Engvall are really similar in a lot of ways. The one way that they aren't similar is that Mikheyev plays the same way every fucking night. Like, yeah, and, you know what you're getting. Yeah, it, he might not pile up the points or, or drive home a bunch of goals, but he's on the puck all night, every night. He's flying up and down the wing all night, every night. And I think that's basically what really separates him from a guy like Engvall. His speed's just always going to play. Yeah, like that's that he can bring that every night, whether he's having an off night upstairs or not like this the speed's always going to be there yeah i guess we should talk about a, a couple of the other wingers and and you mentioned bunting briefly we didn't really have a plan to talk about him because i think you know we, we talked about him a bit um you know leading up to to the season and and i think even on our last episode because he had a great preseason and everything but um i mean that that has been such a great like i, I had the thought i rewatched that rangers game today and and I had the thought that, like, you know, if if Hyman had played with that demeanor, like, he's just such a, a dickhead out there. Yeah. Um, you know, Hyman, like, had, a, a, I think, a lot more to his game than Bunting does, at least right now. But uh, Bunting is, is just such a, a greasy prick out there. Yep. And just he just loves getting his nose dirty and... and going to the net and and you know not just like i mean hyman did those things but but just he loves getting under the skin of other players and I feel like hyman was was just very gentlemanly out there while also running you into the boards and and being in your face but bunting is like he's he's out there to piss you off yeah and bunting's also three years younger than hyman i think right so I mean, Hyman three years ago wasn't the Hyman he was last year or even the year before that. Like, he constantly was adding things to his game. And another guy that came in kind of late, right? Like, this is is both relief members. Absolutely. And and the thing that I I, just to kind of add on to what you you said, Cam, like, he's just, he has that, like, he has that Marchandy, like, Brendan Gallagher kind of thing where, like, he will kind of skate over to somebody and, you know, give him an elbow and then pretend like nothing happened and give that like, Oh, I didn't do anything kind of like after the whistle stuff, which this team has sorely lacked for a long time. Like there has since probably Komarov, there hasn't been a guy that yeah. has been that outwardly a dickhead. Kadri had it for sure. But Kadri was but more also like a, a very skilled yeah. player. Like he was an important piece. He was out there playing in big, big minutes and big situations and bunting is too. And, but it, it, I think it's just more a part of his game. Than, than anybody we've seen probably since Komarov. Well, I think a lot of the lead up to the season was, you know, even ourselves, we, we were kind of talking about Bunting having the potential to be, you know, a real nice facsimile of what Zach Hyman was for this team. But yeah. And I, I think this is going to be something that kind of takes off and catches on here. Again, still only four games in, but I think that the, the Bunting bandwagon is definitely filling up. Um, more than anybody is right now. Yeah, and, and honestly, he strikes me more of as more of like a, a Darcy Tucker type than a Zach Hyman type, in the sense that he's just he, he's he, he's less in control than like Zach Hyman always seemed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in a good way, though. Like I'm it, waiting to see him snap, though. Like because he doesn't have, like he hasn't had that Darcy Tucker meltdown thing. Yeah, yet. yeah. Well, I, Which, there's a lot. I don't know if there's too many guys that got the crazy uh, yeah. eyes the way old Tucker had. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't but know if Bunting's like jumping in any benches snap. anytime soon, but <laughs> but, yeah, but that's the exactly. exact. But it, it's that like mentality and the fact that we can even kind of speak about him in the same breath as a guy like Darcy Tucker. That's that's what's making him such a beloved player, even early on here. Like people just want guys who bust their ass, and it's so easy to cheer for a guy that is very obviously laying it all out there on the line every night. That's the same reason that Zach Hyman was so popular here. It's really not that difficult of a formula when you think about it. Like if you want to be a fan favorite, especially in a place like Toronto, you go out there and you play your ass off. And if it so happens that you've got enough talent to produce some points along the way, all the better. And it looks like that's exactly what we're going to be getting out of Michael Bunting. He's not slowing down. And the way that he's scoring, we said it before, it's something that should be at least semi-sustainable. His shooting percentage last year was otherworldly, but when you consider where he's generating his shots from and you just take a quick look at the goal that he was credited with against the Rangers on Monday night, like your shooting percentage is going to be pretty high if those are the areas that the the puck is coming off your stick or off of your shin pad or ass. Yeah, but even that being said, his shot is pretty good. He's gotten a few off that that were had some zip on them and like his he I get a couple of one timers in the slot and then if you watch his like highlight reel from the coyotes he scored a couple of those like right in between the hash marks well there was the sandine one in the the forsberg the, goalie exactly. game there that was a, you yeah. know outstanding chance and really beautiful mm-hmm. play set up by sandine and it was a, it was yeah. a great shot by bunting too just forsberg was up to the task made a great save yeah exactly yeah, Keith, I think you started to make this point, but just like he's um, you're waiting for that moment where he, he's going to cross a line like, you know, he's going to yeah. lay a greasy hit or, or do something that is going to be questionable and might get him a call from the league. But um, we'll, we'll see, especially with the emotions of playing at home. And, you know, I, I would he like, seems to be on the other end of that early on, though, doesn't he? Like he's calm. Yeah, it, well, he, but, he's the one that's causing other guys to go crazy and take stupid penalties against him right like but there was that comment from Keith, i think after the first game where he was like uh they needed to he like Keith needed to calm him down on the bench or something like that or like yeah it was something to that extent i don't know the exact words but it was like he was getting maybe too worked up about stuff and he maybe wanted him to kind of focus on the on the game a bit more like maybe just like john too much on the bench i don't know but better than the alternative Absolutely. Like I've seen enough fucking zombie looking Leafs players on the bench that I'm, I'm happy to see a guy mouthing off and be like in between shifts as, as archaic and caveman as that sounds, uh, that's still a part of hockey competition, baby. We never would have got into hockey if we weren't a little bit of cavemen. Well, because we grew up watching Darcy Tucker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Full circle, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, other other thoughts. Uh, William Nylander looks incredible. Just, I mean, yeah. really, really, really good. And uh, also playing great. <laughs> um, I feel like you've made that joke like six times. Yeah, and I'm going to continue to make it. Um, <laughs> Jack Campbell uh, also ha- has been excellent um, yeah. so far. And it's a good thing because obviously Peter Mrazik's on the shelf here for a little bit. Um, but Campbell, I mean, it's, uh, I, I don't know at what point, um, this 
just becomes his net, right? But uh, it obviously helps that that uh, his cause that Mrazek is going to miss a little bit of time, and he's got some a bit of a chance to run with it here. And and you know he, he looks every bit as good as as he has um, since he came to the Leafs. Yeah, he, he looks really composed in the crease. Uh, he's been rock solid. I, I don't really know what else to to say beyond that. Um, it, it's a damn shame that Peter Mrazek suffered an injury in his very first start as a Leaf. Just kind of, you know, an, another thing you sort of shake your head at as a, as a Leafs fan. But I don't think it's yeah. something that is totally unexpected. One of the main talking points around the acquisition of Mrazek was the fact that he's had trouble staying healthy and. Campbell has as well so you're you're kind of taking a risk there with those two as your tandem um hopefully Campbell's able to stay healthy because the way that he's playing he is going to end up stealing the net and it's not really going to matter what Mrazek does he might end up just becoming the the true 1B or even a, a real backup with the way that Campbell he's carrying over what he did last season and last season he was one of the best goaltenders in the league so it, at some point you start to wonder when can we say that this is who Jack is I'm still kind of yeah. holding off on that but every game that he goes out and, and plays the way that he has through the early part of the season we get a little bit closer to being able to to say that this is who he is. Totally. I mean, it, that, that, I don't know. He, he, he doesn't have like, uh, I guess you're waiting for that, that kind of regression, right? Like you just said, he carried it over from last year. And I think if he would have come out of the gate at, you know, with a nine Oh nine save percentage through these first four games or three and a half games that he's played, I don't think we would have been necessarily like shocked or anything like that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, have even like, been worried, you know, re- ready yeah. to write. Exactly. I wouldn't have been worried either. Like it, this is, ridiculously good goaltending that he's just been putting up start over start over start it's it's i i don't think it's really a question anymore whether or not it's his net i think it just comes down to like what you said it's just what degree of kind of or what percentage does does marizic get in even when he's healthy like how can you move away from a guy that's playing that good Unless it's simply like a load management type of situation where, you know, he's never done it, done it before. And I think there will be, you know, a, a, an element of that. I think it'll be a, a real strong consideration in just how much they, they play. Because, as you said, he hasn't done it before. And uh, they're they're going to want to be careful with Campbell's workload. Yeah. And just on another injury note, uh, Nick Robertson hurt in the minors as well and, and going to miss a significant amount of time. Uh, ugly just injury devastating yeah shitty Poor kid man man yeah the kid works his ass off uh, like he got hurt two minutes into his first game with the leafs last year um you know battled numerous other injuries throughout the course of the year beyond that that you know made it difficult for him to really get into a groove and he still ended up playing pretty well for a teenager in the american hockey league but you know then i think last pod we were kind of throwing around the idea that getting sent down a little bit ahead of time might have been a, a benefit for Robertson to really just kind of get comfortable where he's at, know what he's going to be doing, and, and just get off to a good start for the season. And you know, he played a, a fantastic game along with Semyonov in, in their first outing against the Moose, and in just the second game of the season after it happening in his first game last year, another major injury, and uh, it's it, it's gutting. The, the kid works his ass off. He he deserves yep. better. Um, 
you know, right now the Leafs have arguably their, I don't think we consider Sandine a prospect anymore at this point. So, you know, their top two prospects are out with significant injuries and missing out on a lot of development time right now. Rodion uh, Mirov, he, he was hurt in the KHL preseason, uh, came back and played just three games. He's missed, I think, like 10 straight now since then with uh, an undisclosed injury, still kind of digging around trying to find out what that is. Uh, but either way, not good. Uh, you, you just you hate to see injuries to anyone, but especially young guys who are at such an important point in their development curves. It's it just sucks to see it. Yeah, brutal. And I mean, it, and and it's not just you know obviously injuries at this age, at this development stage are devastating. And then you mix in like these guys have also dealt with COVID through their development. Like Robertson specifically, yeah. like how much of this guy's like key development time has he already missed? It's it's really tough. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no good. So hopefully he comes back strong and and has a good uh, you know rest of his season. Um, and in Robertson's case, it's it's extra kind of shitty because he's a guy that I think we all looked at as someone who could potentially contribute to the Leafs later on down the line this season. Yeah, you know, especially if things don't really work out with Nick Ritchie in the top six. Again, it's early, but the returns there haven't been great through the first four games it, it, there was potentially an avenue to Robertson having a significant role on this team down the stretch and I think that this just kind of makes that a, a steeper hill to climb for him whenever he does get back yeah 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 well you, you mentioned Richie and I, I meant to bring him up earlier so maybe we'll touch on him quickly before we move on um you know I I think I kind of said it in in the run up to the season that I, I kind of figured he might settle in on the third line and I was I was a little surprised to see him get that you know, shot at the first line right away. And, and we talked about where Mikheyev will be when when he comes back and bunting, probably not moving off of that second line unless it's to move up. Uh, I think Richie would probably be the casualty if anyone, um, you know, he, he's not been terrible or anything, but, you know, it's it's just kind of the same stuff that, that's plagued him through his career, right? right? It, I just it, don't think he's... A, a, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that it might be a move that they have to consider making at some point here, but I just don't know where else he fits. Like he, he really doesn't fit on that as the third part of that, uh, camp and Kasha duo. He doesn't have the feet to play that, that role. I don't think. And then you're left paying a two and a half million dollar winger on the fourth line with Jason Spezza and, Wayne Simmons, I just—it's beginning. I don't to, think that. I don't think that line needs to get slower. So yeah, um, it, he's really starting to seem like a, a square peg at, in a room full of round holes here. And it, I think like the only thing that you could really look at right now is like swapping him and Bunting and just seeing if he clicks better with. Tavares and Nylander, but I don't think we're near that yet. Like, I don't think that's something that needs to happen for, you know, 10, 10 games. Yeah, he's also played one entire game alongside Austin Matthews yeah. here. So, and I don't know, just the more I think about it, it seems like that really is the best spot for him. Like, you don't really need to have a great player playing alongside Austin and Mitch. Like, theoretically you would think that Richie would be a great fit in that spot. He's, I, I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about what kind of player he is. I think that he's actually 
like he does play a physical game and he'll throw his weight around here and there. But I think he's kind of more of like a, a, a soft skill guy. He, he reminds me of Thornton a lot in the sense that he, you know, he's not very fast and he doesn't make a lot of plays like in transition or moving with the puck. But he has like that one-touch passing ability. I think that he's kind of a good facilitator in that sense where like if the puck comes to him in the offensive zone, I think he does have the skill and the smarts t- to find Matthews or Marner in space with it or get a shot off. Um, I, I just I don't know what other line he's going to keep up with. And he just doesn't really need to keep up with Matthews and Mariner as much as he might need to keep up with a uh, uh, camp and Kasha to be effective in that role, if that makes any sense. And again, it's so early. None of this is ultimately like, I don't know. It's it, it, This could all change with a good game tomorrow, right? And like, he scored a lot in the so, preseason, so, so he could, right? And he scored 15 goals in 55 games last year, playing with guys a lot less talented than than Matthews and Mariner. But now I understand that that means that he played against guys that weren't, you know, top pairs every night. And that's something that he's facing right now. He's facing, you know, he's going to be playing against other team shutdown lines all year, knowing that, you know, that that's who his line mates are, right? And that's the territory that comes with. And I don't know if, if right now, if he's like almost trying too hard to just be like, I'm a straight line guy and I'm going to get to the net and I'm going to hit people. Like, and he's like, could be doing more offensively, but he's just so concentrated on just being that guy that just creates space for them. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what it is. It's early. It's, it's an adjustment period. It's a new role for him. I, I on a new team. Like I, I'm not ready to start panicking about him at all. No. Especially like you said, like he was, very productive in the preseason and has been very productive in the past as a, you know, somewhere, somebody in that 15 to 20 goal range. So I, I, I don't know. I said I said I said something about him on Twitter that that got some some attention. That you know, it's it's just we just got to I got the Nick the Nick Richard retweet bump, and <laughs> I, I don't know how you do that um, with all the constant notifications and. Fucking every time I put my phone down, I come back to it to a bunch of people I don't know well, telling me why why I'm wrong. Here, but. I'm gonna just espouse <laughs> a little bit of advice to our listeners. Oops. I don't remember where I heard this, but it's something that's made a huge difference for me in, in terms of social media interactions and stuff. It's you really have to limit the number of opinions that matter to you. Yeah, I just on, on Richie, I, I think. Um, I, you know, I don't. I don't think it's like time to pull him off the line or anything like that. I think that uh, more the point is like this is a guy with a history of inconsistency, right? So like if it's you know it's only four games and if it's only one game with Matthews and he doesn't look great, it's like if if you're looking at you know switching it up already, then then why why you know give it a shot in the first place? Because it's not like this wasn't a, a reasonable outcome, right? Like I, I think that. He, there's still a good chance yeah. that he'll he'll find a find his way there, but it, it, really it's more motivated by I kind of want to see Mikheyev on that line too. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, well, we, we've got a while before that's even a possibility, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll, we, he'll get plenty of run there, and we'll see what the body of work looks like. We'll, after we'll two have a months, better right? idea. Of, yeah. Um, yeah. So we were talking goalies. Uh, they've announced that Michael Hutchinson goes against the Sharks on Friday and uh, Jack Campbell back in the net against the Penguins Saturday. Um, thoughts on the back-to-back? The Leafs are playing against a uh, an American Western Conference team at home, and then they're in an American city. 
the next night. What a world we live in. It's going to be great. They're doing the reverse Babcock for the uh, the back-to-backs. I feel like it, no matter who they were playing, whether it was a last-place team and a first-place team, um, you know, Freddie was always getting the, the Friday night, um, I guess, with the idea that you try to, you know, fresh legs and your best goaltender try to guarantee you that you get two points. But you're also setting your backup goalie up to fail. So I I, I like it. I think I, I you're you're this situation here. You're you're probably giving your backup goalie fresh legs against the worst of the two opponents. So it it's, seems like the right idea to me. I don't really have any bones to pick with this this setup. It sucks. I mean Hutchison. We got to remember he didn't play that bad last year. He played quite well. I mean, we're scarred from the ghosts of Michael Hutchison past, but last year was not part of that. I think he finished with like a nine nineteen or something. And then they were like four and two with him in the net or something like that. So, and he had a shutout. So that just means the time bomb's been ticking all summer long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it can, you could probably argue right now. I think aren't the sharks two and zero, and of course the penguins um, Carter has COVID. So he's probably going to be out Jerry. I don't know if he's going to play because he was, uh, I don't know yeah, if he has COVID, but, right now. Um, obviously yeah. Malkin's out. Crosby is out, but close. And I wouldn't be shocked if he says, yeah, I'm coming back against the Leafs. I'm going to fucking torture them no, again. They, they are. They said he's not playing. Is he out? Okay. Well, yeah. let's just see if he doesn't repel from the fucking jumbotron. Uh, <laughs> as as the anthem it, is just. Well, why does go. it matter? Like, this is the Leafs we're talking about. The, the Penguins are probably better off without all their talented players, right? Yeah, they're just goalie us again with a backup. Yeah, win like four three on a night where Mark Donk scores two goals. And- <laughs> Yeah, but Fuck. that's it. Mark Donk needs needs Crosby or Malkin. That's the whole idea. He's <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, that's the right. numbers for those guys are torturous. So yeah, I, I hope that, I, I, that that would be the worst thing. He makes his debut against the Leafs. I just hold off one more important news uh, while we're recording here. The Hurricanes are beating the Habs two nothing. And Ooh, uh, Aho scored the first goal. Oh, which is I crazy. thought you were going to tell me the. the <laughs> I know. I was hoping it was real good news, too. but no, maybe there's still time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to uh, be looking too judgingly into our neighbor's backyard this early on, but uh, yeah, a bit of a shit storm happening over there. Yep, glass houses and all that stuff. Yep, but it's pretty. It's, <laughs> but I'm watching. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah, but luckily we're not watching them play the Leafs this weekend again. As we say, they get the Sharks and the Penguins. It's going to be nice. Uh, but Keith. Unfortunately for you, but fortunately for you, it's like good news, bad news. You're you're going to a Leafs game. Yeah, yeah, I think but, I am. Uh, you're going to see the Flames. Fuck. The fucking Calgary Flames. It all came together so fast last night. I had a buddy who texted me. And he was like, "Hey, there's a seat sale from uh, St. John to Toronto, and him and his his fiance are going to go." And asked if me and my wife wanted to go. And the, the, neither one of them are like big hockey people. And they were like, "We kind of want to go to a Leafs game." And I was like. I don't know if they realize it's going to be like 300 bucks. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, yeah, my Allie's sister's uh, boyfriend works for the Leafs. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know if this means we're going to get free tickets or if we're going to get just like face value tickets. But either way, I mean, I'm, I'm 99% sure it's happening. Flames, Flames, Leafs on the whatever the Friday night is of Remembrance Day. So the, like, it's the 12th. Yeah. Pretty pretty fired up. I haven't even really like allowed myself to get excited yet because it's been a bit of a whirlwind trying to make sure we can 
arrange like babysitters and work. Nah, and nah, that that's stuff, just but... because you know you're going to watch the fucking flames again. I, I know, man. <laughs> I, I think I said on the last podcast how it felt like that was the team I was the <laughs> yeah. most the, the, sick of. It like... is literally what you said on the last episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it'll be fun. I'll make I'll make it work. <laughs> yeah, it, in person makes it a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Always better to be seeing a game in person. Um, yeah, even even if it's the Flames, even if you're going to see Blake Coleman play 26 minutes under Daryl Sutter. Is that what he played? I don't know. Twice. Probably not, but it's coming. It's coming. It's, it's Daryl Sutter and it's Blake Coleman. So, <laughs> you I mean, know it's coming. His, his wet dream. <laughs> um, yeah, Keith, I'll be interested to see what your, uh, what your takeaways are from the game. Um, now, maybe it'll just be... 10 beers deep by puck drop and uh, it won't be worth much. Who knows? But Well, I mean, I, I went to that Flyers Leafs game there with our buddy Leo a few years ago and I have like still images in my mind of that game. That's about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's, I'm going to, I'm going to try to not that let that, not let that happen again, but no, no problem. Well, no your, your wife is going to be with you this time. So you better be careful. That's she's an enabler. That's not, that's not. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I will say, like you know, I, I I kind of hate watching hockey on on TV. Like I, I get so just distracted. I can't see the full play. I love to see the full play. Um, I, I the, funny enough, the last game that I saw was Leafs Flames. Um, I think that was maybe two and a half years ago in Calgary. And, uh, you know, I think that was the first time I've actually seen like the Matthews era Leafs. Right. And, um, like one thing that I noticed, like after years of dumping on him, like Ron Hainsey did a lot for them out there in terms of like being a, you know, like a floor general kind of like just guiding traffic and that kind of thing. And I felt like, you know, when, when he went and they kind of had a dip, uh, defensively I was like I, I wonder if like you know Ron Hainsey was kind of the commander out there and that, that's not really something that I feel like Morgan Riley is like super comfortable with um, and then you bring in guys like Jake Muzzin and, and TJ Brody and suddenly like you're so much more cohesive as a defensive unit I just, I just feel like you can gain so much more from being like there and kind of seeing the sights and seeing the full ice like um you know, he- hearing what's what's actually happening out there and stuff. So, uh, so, and, and so you get a better idea of how fast everything is. Too. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, especially when you're down close to the ice, like up in the rafters. It's harder to tell, but when you get down anywhere near ice level, it's like this is fucking ridiculously fast. So, Keith, the game's the twelfth. Do you fly out on the eleventh, the twelfth? What's what's the plan? Eleventh at three uh, thirty, we should be on the ground at like six Toronto time, I think. Um, after okay, all that. so we we all filter over in our good Remembrance Day clothes, and we all gather right. in the town hall here in the village out on the east coast where we all live, and we send you <laughs> off like like the like Borat when he goes to America. <laughs> yes, we're going to the big city. You're we're going to the city, and you're going to see a real live NHL game. So we we all we'll gotta, see if we can arrange for like Billy Chili to pick you up at the airport or something. <laughs> that's right man yeah, that's right uh, i'm coming to toronto for all of our listeners that want to get drunk with me i'm uh, <laughs> open book for those three, three days um keith a quick quick question for you nfl wise um yeah this aaron Rodgers, i own you stuff i i 
I wasn't terribly um, upset with the the result yeah, nah, of that it's hard game. To be, it's hard to be. It's hard to be upset at that comment. No, it's too, absolutely it's true. true. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. true. Um, but I just, it's funny because I came away from that game thinking, like you know, like they they didn't get completely smoked by the Packers, which is what I just expect at this point. And <laughs> yeah. but I wasn't really following along on Twitter. You know, I just I was watching the game and I, I didn't catch it in real time. And then I was working and I was just like not paying attention. And then it's like, oh, oh okay. We're, we're gonna get dragged through the mud all week in, in either way like perfect this is i mean it, you know, like you said like i think they, they i mean they were in the game in the fourth quarter yeah. like if if they make a stop on that we i own you drive that like that's how it ultimately ended then you know they're they're they got the ball in a one score game but um yeah rogers did what he did and he marched down the field in about five plays and scored so it's yeah, I mean, but ultimately, this isn't a year that I don't think any Bears fan should be thinking that, you know, they're contenders or anything like that. There's still a lot of holes and a lot that they need to fix. But all this year matters is just watching field get, fields get better week over week. And he has. Like, every single week, he's gotten a little bit better. So, um, nothing to really be too upset about. The Packers are a better football team, and Aaron Rodgers is a better quarterback today. So, I don't tip your hat and, and try to win the games that are winnable, I guess, at this point. Uh, Keith, I have another question about the Bears that I'm going to loop back to here in a moment. I need to send you something. But, uh, Nick, okay. while while we do this, uh, a quick comment. I don't want to talk about the Buffalo Bills a, a this A quick week. comment on the play call, please. Uh, it's... Uh. I mean, you gotta under you gotta I, give the ball to the guy. Who, who I, I get, get it. You there, I, right? I get it. I, I I totally get it. And you know, ninety nine percent of the time, Josh Allen converts on fourth and short. It it was a it was a really weird play. It just in those circumstances, I, I thought you know there wasn't a lot of time left on the clock. You and you know you, you weren't even in a situation where there was so much time on the clock where if you do convert on that fourth and short that you necessarily have enough time to to run a couple more plays and get into the end zone. So like at, at that point for me it was like kick the field goal, tie the game, and take your shot in overtime where you're guaranteed to get a chance with the ball. Um, it, it, I th- it, hindsight is, is twenty twenty. It's really easy for me to sit here and criticize the decision from behind a fucking television screen. Um, but I, I, I do get the the logic behind it. Josh Allen makes that play happen. He, he's your guy. And if you listen to everyone, every player on the Buffalo Bills afterwards that was asked about it said they 100% supported the decision and have all the faith in Josh to get it done the next time. So, yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I think I've got the I've got faith that Josh would get that done the next time, too. So, yeah, I think it was the right call. Um you know, tough outcome, but I, I was I was shocked when I was watching the way that Henry was running all over them. You're not stopping Henry. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah I, I just thought it was. I thought it. it was for sure that it was. It was uh, without a doubt they were going to score there, and and then you know it was just didn't happen. He slipped, and what can you do? Yeah, um, shit happens, and I think that kind of ties back into the Leafs a little bit. Is like you know maybe the guys like Tavares and, and Mariner haven't produced yet, but. The, the way that they're playing and the way that they've played in the past, you know that it's 
going to work out more often than not. And uh, their points are coming just like, you know, Josh Allen's next fourth and short attempt is probably going to be a conversion. Trust the process. Keith, what do you think of that fantasy roster that I just sent you that I may or may not run in one of my leagues this week? The league I'm doing worst in the league that costs the most money. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, for the listeners at home, he's playing Fields, Robin, Allen Robinson, and Darnell Moody. The only thing I'll say is they're playing the Bucks, and they're probably going to be... I mean, they're going to be losing for most of the game, I'd imagine. Tom Brady's Justin gonna Fields it. is going to be running for his life most of the game, too. Yeah, but the only thing I'm thinking is he's going to be throwing the ball a lot. So, from a fantasy perspective... Robin Robinson and Mo- I probably would pick one of them, <laughs> but then you know you're going to pick the wrong one. Uh, the other, other guy's going to get, get a hundred and a touchdown, right? So, yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a tough one, man. I, I would be wanting to stay away from the, <laughs> the uh, Chicago Bears offense at all all costs for uh, for fantasy. Sp- spoken as somebody who has Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney on his team, I have but, faith. Uh, no. I have faith. Tom Brady will forget it's fourth down again. It, it's it's happening. Oh man, is it in prime? No, it's not prime time. That was last year that they. Yeah, I think it's embarrassed him in prime time on Sunday. I think. And I feel like they like broke him, and after that, he was just insane for the rest of the season. Uh, one more uh, non Leafs, non NHL comment. Um, uh, a big win. I love to win a championship. As as you all know, I am a lifetime fan of the Chicago Sky. <laughs> I definitely did not start rooting for them in the last six to twelve months. Um, big win in the uh, WNBA Finals over the Phoenix Mercury, who were without Kia Nurse, um, who was injured. Unfortunately, would have been good to see her in action, but. I don't think it would have mattered. My sky rolled to a uh, 3-1 series win. They were down. It looked like the Phoenix was going to force a game five, and uh, Chicago rallied in the fourth quarter and and managed to uh, win it rather than having the deciding game going back to Arizona. And uh, a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I don't know if you guys saw any of my tweets about this, but um, they, they had the... The championship parade the other day, and um, I, I guess supposedly uh, Diana Taurasi, who is like in the goat conversation in the WNBA, um, she she plays for Phoenix, and I guess got frustrated throughout the finals and uh, just destroyed a door. I don't know if it was a one-time incident or others I saw actually suggest it might have been a, a repeatedly you know wailing on this door to the point where the, this door was just a, a mass banged up and the Chicago sky rolled that door out onto the stage <laughs> yeah. for their championship celebration. Um, just I love that. Incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. And a big win for me on a futures bet. Second year in a row, I correctly predicted the WNBA champion. Hashtag the WNBA savant. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for another episode of Lamenting the Leafs. Thank you, gentlemen. Happy anniversary. And the the best present that you could all give us to celebrate one year uh, of Lamenting the Leafs is to... Chill the fuck out. It's been four games. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, subscribe. I really thought you were, too. Yeah. Do, well, th- yeah, do all that, too. Subscribe, rate, review, <laughs> tell your friends, but, but chill the fuck out. Also, calm the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs>